Contest Theater. From the heart of Hollywood, the Armed Forces Radio and Television Service brings you your favorite stars and stories written by you, our listeners. Here each week, the most brilliant performers of stage, screen, and radio step to our microphone to entertain you on Contest Theater. Today, Dane Clark stars in Destination Mars, an exciting story of adventure in outer space. And here's our host, the distinguished motion picture star, Mr. Pat O'Brien. Thanks, Jimmy Wallington, and hi, everyone. Welcome again to your radio theater. Today's play, like all our shows, was suggested by one of you listeners. So it's really your show. Now, if you haven't sent in a story idea, we'll tell you later how to go about it. Today's play was suggested by Barbara Shepard of Ellery, Illinois. But right now, let's get into our play. An exciting look into the future and the past. As three men and a girl find adventure in outer space. Our play is Destination Mars. And our star today, that superb actor, Mr. Dane Clark. Behind his desk in the administration building of a great southwestern guided missile base, a little man with graying hair and alert eyes pours over a stack of mysterious charts and lengthy reports. His manner showing more and more interest and vitality as he reads on. He is Dr. Amos Griffin, one of the world's greatest scientists. And the papers before him contain a promise of history in the making. Satisfied at last, he turns to the intercom on his desk. Carol. Yes, Dr. Griffin. The uh, young men I asked you to send for, uh, have any of them arrived yet? Yes, sir. Joe Blakely, Randy Coles, and Dr. Peter Haley. They're all here. Good, good. Uh, have them come in at once. Yes, sir. Oh, and Carol, uh, you'd better come in, too, and bring your book. I may want you to make some notes. Hmm. So we're going to try it at last. Hmm. Well, uh, come in, come in, Joe and Randy and yes, Peter. Uh, find chairs. Uh, you sit here, Carol. Yes, sir. There we are. Yeah. I'm sure you're all curious to know why I sent for you, so we'll get right to the point. Gentlemen, I have news for you. The robot rocket ship that we dispatched to the planet Mars several days ago has returned safely. You mean the ship actually got to Mars, sir? As close as we wished it to, yes. Within a few hundred miles, that is. The uh, instruments recorded perfectly all the way. And there must be pictures, Dr. Griffin. What do they look like? Do they show life on Mars? Well, that is the only part of our project that was not a success. There are no photographs at close enough range to give us the information we want. But we'll do better in that department the next time. When will be the next time, sir? Tomorrow. Uh, if you men can be ready by that well, time. That's pretty fun. Oh, I don't know. But it'll take longer than that to fit her up again. We won't be using the XL-24 this time, Joe. It'll be the DM-1. But that's not a robot, sir. The DM-1 has been designed for manual operation. That's right, Peter. And that's why I've sent for you three men. Dr. Griffin, you mean you're going to send Joe and... and... Well, I've given this matter a great deal of thought and study, gentlemen. And after careful consideration, I've decided that you three are the best suited for the project. 
That is, if you care to undertake it. Uh, uh, this is not compulsory. It's not an order, you understand. I want to go, sir. Same here. Good. Peter? Uh, you can count me in, Doctor, of course. Fine. <laughs> now, about your duties. Joe, you've had more experience in supersonic piloting and rocket control than anyone in our division. And I'm putting you in command of the expedition. Yes, sir. Thank you. All clear? Yes, sir. All clear. Dr. Yes, Griffin. Sir. Yes, Carol, what is it? The DM-1 was actually designed for a crew of four. Yes, that's true, but uh, on this first flight... May I go, too? What? Surely you must be joking, Carol. No, I'm not joking at all, Dr. Griffin. I just want your permission to go with them, that's all. But this project is no place for a woman, and You've you... often told me I know as much about the work as the men in the division, sir. Well, certainly I have, and that's very true. But uh, what you ask is impossible. Why, if this first trip is successful... Perhaps you can go along the second time. We'll see. But don't you, you heard understand? You the doctor, I... Carol. When do we get our instructions, sir? Well, I have them already, Joe. Here we are. Set for you. Mm-hmm. Here's yours, Randy. Yes, sir. Peter. Thank you. I'll take care of final details of the ship and meet you at the launching platform tomorrow at nineteen zero zero. That's all. Thank you, sir. Come on, men. Yep. Gosh, Joe, that was a bolt out of the blue. I, I feel sort of numb all over. Well, let's get back to our quarters and study these instructions. Yeah, okay. Joe? Yes, Carol? Would you stay a minute? I want to talk to you. Huh? Um, uh, sure. Look, fellas, you go ahead. Will you? I'll, I'll be along in a minute. All right. Well, what's on your mind, honey? Darling, I've got to go on this trip with now, you. Now, listen, you heard what Dr. Griffin said. I don't care what Dr. Griffin said. He wasn't too positive about my not going, and the ship was designed for four, and... Well, if you talk to him about honey, it... Honey, honey, I don't want to talk to him about it. Because I don't want you risking your pretty neck on a thing like this. If things turn out badly, Can't I... Can't you understand? That's why I want to be with you. I realize the danger, but... Well, if anything happens to you and you don't come back, I, I wouldn't want to go on living anyway. Or perhaps you've forgotten that I love you. Baby, I know you love me. And I love you, too. And I understand how you feel, but we'll be all right. I'll be back, Okay. Well, all right, darling. That's my girl. Well, I've got some studying to do. I'll see you later. All right, Joe. And by the way, don't forget to be out at the launching platform tomorrow night. Got to have you there to see me off for uh, Mars. What time you got, Joe? Oh, uh, 1926, Randy. Just four minutes more. Yeah. How about you, Doc? All set? Hmm? Oh, oh, yeah, Joe, I'm all set. I wonder what's happened to Carol. She was going to be oh, here. I saw her a few minutes ago talking to Dr. Griffin. Oh, if she thinks she can sell him on the idea of Joe. coming... Joe! Oh, th- there she is now. Yeah. You think I'd forgotten you, did you? Oh, I hope not, honey. You know, Randy says you were talking to Dr. Griffin. Mm, yes, I was. What about? Making one last pitch to go along? Mm-hmm. You know what he said? No. That's right. No. <laughs> uh, we'll get on into the ship, Joe. You, you better step on it. Yeah, I'll be right along. Goodbye, Carol. Bye. Be good. Carol. Oh, Joe. Oh, there's Dr. Griffin. He wants to see you before you blast off, I guess. Yeah. Oh, gosh, 1928. I've got to get going. Goodbye, kiss, honey. Mm-hmm. Bye, darling. And please hurry back. I'll bring you a wedding present from Mars. Bye, baby. Bye, Joe. You wanted to see me, Dr. Griffin? Well, nothing special, Joe. 
You know your instructions. Now, keep in touch with us as often as you can. That new sonic radio should operate properly all through your flight. Yes, sir, I know. Uh, you better get aboard. We want to blast off right on time if possible. And uh, good luck. Um, yes. Yes, sir. Well, uh, what's the matter? You forgotten something? No, no. I was just going to wave goodbye to Carol, but I don't see her. Well, goodbye, sir. Be seeing you. Goodbye, Joe. Doc, Randy, you all set? All set, Joe. Waiting for you. Well, you better check time. Dr. Griffin's a bear for keeping our schedule. It's 1929.45. Good. Are you both strapped in? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, then. Here we go. DM-1 to control tower. Prepare to blast off. Five seconds. Okay, control. Yeah, thanks. Three, two, one. Here we go. Okay, Mars, here we come. Randy? Yeah, Joe? Have we cleared the Earth's atmosphere yet? Not quite. Any minute now. According to the aero density gauges, it's getting thinner and thinner. Good. That means we're really making time. For pressure, 3.75.4726. It's dropping fast now. We get ready to drop the booster section. You need any help? Not yet. Say when, Randy. 10, 5, 2. We're out of it. Okay, hang on. Nothing had happened. Nothing at all. That's right. And we're on our way. Nothing to do now but settle down to a few dull hours till we get into the Mars atmosphere. Dull, he says. What's dull about traveling through space faster than man's ever gone before? Headed for a little pinpoint of light that may even be gone when Don't we get, get there. Don't get so worked up, Randy. I was only kidding. Still, we might have time to work in a hand or two of bridge before we land. By the way, how's your vector reading? Perfect. I just left. We're headed straight for Mars, just like it worked out on paper. Uh, I was just thinking, Joe, wouldn't it be possible for a rocket ship to run into a star or a meteor or something out there in space? Well, it's possible, sure. Just have to wait and find out. None of our robot rockets have. Dr. Griffin figures his radar repellent device will pull us off course long enough to avoid hitting anything in our way and then rectify the course again when we're out of danger. I certainly hope he's right. Yeah. Hey, look out there through the port. Did you ever see so many stars before? Yeah. Want to wish on one? No, I... Hey, uh, what, what are you doing here? Carol, you... Hi, darling. How in the name... How did you get here? Well, I just walked aboard, that's all. She's a stowaway. Honey, how'd you find a place to hide? You might have been back in that booster section we just dropped off back there. Not a chance. Don't forget, I know almost as much about this spaceship as you do, Joe. Oh. Well, aren't you glad to see me? No. Huh? Well... I mean, sure, I'm glad to see you safe, honey, but you just can't be here. You've ruined the whole thing. I'll just have to radio back to Dr. Griffin and tell him what you've done, and then we'll have to turn back and we'll have... You can radio him if you want, but it'll just be a waste of time. Why do you say that? I had a little talk with Dr. Griffin this afternoon. You mean he agreed to let you come? It wasn't easy, but I won. I also knew you wouldn't hear of it if you knew, and that's why I stowed away. Women. Now, darling, you know you can't do without us, even on Mars. Okay, I guess you're right. <laughs> and now, can we look at the stars? We cannot. As long as you're here, you'll have to be useful. 
Get a pad and pencil, lady. From now on, I'm going to dictate my reports. Hey, Joe. What's the matter, Randy? I don't know what's the matter. Our vector control has gone completely screwy. Well, that's impossible. What could happen to... It may be impossible, Joe, but it's happening. Randy and I were watching the astrometer. It was holding steady on Mars, and then as though something hit it, it seemed to go crazy. Let me see it. All of a sudden, we started veering off to starboard. Mars dropped out of the astrometer, so I tried to operate the vector control to get us back, and nothing happened. Hey, what is it, Joe? What's happened? We don't know yet. Must be the vector control that's out of order. But it isn't. It's operating perfectly. All the pilot lights and indicators prove it, and yet we can't get back on vector. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'll try it. There, you see, you've got the lever way over, and it doesn't have any effect at all. Yeah, can't make it out. According to the panel, everything is working perfectly, but... Joe, look. What is it, Carol? In the astrometer, do you see what I see? Huh? Why, that's the moon. Yeah, we're holding steady on it. There's some kind of a pull working on us. I'll try a deflection. Maybe we can duck below the pool and get back on the Mars vector. I tried that a minute ago, Joe. It doesn't work. Nothing works. We're being pulled straight toward the moon. Doc, get on the radio. Call the base. Get Dr. Griffin. Tell him I'll talk to him when you make contact. Okay. Though I don't know what good he could do us back on Earth. It's like a magnetic pull, Joe. Isn't there anything we can do to break it? DM-1 to base. DM-1 to base. Hello. You reading me all right? Yeah. Put Dr. Griffin on. And hurry. There's one way to break the pull, I think. I can put a big charge on the rejector, make a fast dive, and 180-degree turn. That ought to do it. Dr. Griffin is on, Joe. Let me have the headphones. Thanks. Hello, Dr. Griffin. We seem to be running into some trouble out here. Can't stay on the Mars vector. And we're being pulled straight toward the moon. That's right. No, the vector controls have no effect. Yes, sir, I can try loading the rejector and... What's that, sir? But, well, don't you think it's foolish to... Yeah, yeah, I see. Yes, maybe we can. Very good, Doctor. I'll report to you as soon as any new development. DM-1 out. What did they say, Joe? Did we try the rejector? We try nothing. We just keep on going as we are. Dr. Griffin says if we can't make it to Mars, he'll settle for the moon. Sure. Dr. Griffin will settle for the moon. But what about Joe and Carol? And Randy and Peter. They're the ones whose rocket ship is off its course, unable to reach Mars. What adventures they'll find awaiting them, we'll find out in Act Two of Destination Mars, starring Dane Clark. Our travelers into space. Joe Blakely in command of the rocket ship, M-1. Randy Coles, engineer and dynamics expert. Young Dr. Peter Haley and Carol Chester. First assistant to the great scientist who has planned the expedition. They have met with an unexpected complication. Intending to be the first to reach the planet Mars, they have suddenly found their course changed by some unexplained force and are headed directly for the moon. Now well within that planet's atmosphere, they watch the scene that unfolds outside the rocket's portholes with strange emotions. Joe, look out there. We're close enough to see it now. I know, Carol. I have been looking. So have I. And how do you explain it? According to all the scientists, the moon's supposed to be uninhabited. And yet right there... Big uh, structures and towers, canals or something like that, and roads. Those things couldn't just happen, Joe. They must have been built by somebody. I don't see anything moving out there. 
You know, Joe, maybe being shunted off to the moon like this instead of Mars will get us somewhere after all. Maybe we can study a civilization that's been extinct for years. Yeah, maybe a lot of things. What are you going to do, darling? Just what any other crazy American would do. Land and look over the situation. Well, hadn't we better pick out a place first? I already have. You see that group of towers and buildings and streets right down there? Yes, I've been looking at it. It must be a city. Or whatever the lunar equivalent is. Well, there seems to be a big clearing in the middle of it. And that looks like a good spot to land. Think I'd better powder my nose, Joe? Just in case there is any civilization down there? I do not. We don't know what kind of atmosphere we're going to find when we get out of this rocket. We'll all be wearing the Terralite masks Dr. Griffin developed. And we'll get them on now. Hey, we only brought three masks. What about Carol? Don't worry, boss man. I made my plans very carefully. I brought my own Terralite mask. <laughs> you don't forget anything, do you, honey? Of course not. Aren't you proud of me? Yes, you'll do. All right, get set. All of you. We're about to pay our first visit to the moon, and we hope it's not our last. Well, here we are. No complications so far. And a mighty fine landing, I might add, Joe. Thanks, Randy. Doc. Yeah, Joe? Did you call Dr. Griffin and tell him where we are? I tried, but nothing. The Sony is dead. We don't seem to be able to put out any signal at all. Mm, strange. Or maybe something about mineral conditions on this place, huh? Well, never mind. We'll try them again later. Now, Terralite masks on. Be sure your shortwave radio equipment is turned on. All right, let's check. You hear me, Doc? Sure. Fine. Randy? Good here. Joe? How about you, Carol? <laughs> Carol, what's the matter? You look like a moon man yourself in that get-up. Well, never mind that. I'm going to open the hatch, and we'll go out one at a time. Follow me. Take it easy, everybody. We're not on Earth, you know. Say... This is a surprise. I half expected to float away or something. Oh, it's so pretty here, but so strange. Everything seems so blue. The scenery comes later, honey. Uh, everybody out? Yeah, yeah. all out. Okay, I'm going to try taking off my Terralite mask. Now, the rest of you keep yours on until I test it. Peter, mm -hmm. you stand here beside me. If anything happens to me when I take off my mask, slap it back on me fast. Right. Okay, the rest of you can take them off. They can't hear me. You can all take your masks off. It's all right. What? Joe, this is almost like the Earth's atmosphere. That's right, a little lighter, if anything. Still, it doesn't give any trouble in breathing. Might as well leave the masks here. We won't need them. And what do we do now? Well, come on, let's get going. Where, Joe? First, we'd better have a look into one of these buildings. How about this um, big one right there with the tower? Come on. Looks like a castle. Probably is. City house of King Carl's friend, the seventh or something. Was, you mean. We haven't seen a sign of human life anywhere, you know. Yeah, that's right. Hey, maybe they're all invisible. Why, right now, there may be a couple of guys walking along beside Carol. Randy, no. <laughs> all right, here we are. Now, try to be sharp and be ready for anything. 
I'll see if these big doors open. You'll probably need help. They look pretty heavy. Yeah, they do. Maybe even locked if the former occupants are... Well, how about that? They opened by themselves just as I put out my hand. Like in the Penn Station. Hey, maybe somebody got here before we did and sold them the idea... Hold it, Randy, hold it. Come on, we'll go in. Joe, this place is gorgeous. What do you suppose it is? Or was? Search me. Looks like a super colossal theater, something Joseph Urban might have dreamed up. No seats, but there's a big curtain at that end. Joe, it's opening. Yeah. Now stand still, everybody. And look what's behind it. Hundreds of men. Tiny men, and they're all blue. We better get out of here. No, 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 wait. They're, they're coming toward us, all of them. But there isn't a sound. Are you sure this isn't a bad dream we're having? Keep your heads and don't move. But, Joe, they're surrounding us. They're not armed, and I've got my gun. That ought to stop them. Yeah. There's a leader stepping out. Joe, we got to do something about getting out of here and fast. I'll pull my gun on the leader. Stop or I'll shoot. He can't understand you. I'll shoot once over his head. That's a language anybody can understand. Yeah, go ahead, Joe. He's taking something out of his robe. Maybe he has a gun. No, no, it's just a little stick, like a baton. He's pointing it at you, Joe. Yeah, I know, but watch him scatter when they hear this shot. Oh. Oh. Joe, what happened? Oh, he was pointing that stick at me, and I started a fire, and all of a sudden my hand got paralyzed, and I couldn't hold my gun. Wait a minute. Maybe I can pull my gun without his seeing it. Now, don't try. Don't try. They probably all got those things. Our only chance is to go along with the gag and try to figure out something later. Now, hold it. Here comes the leader. Maybe you can talk to him in sign language or something. Maybe, but... Uh-oh. He's the one that's doing the talking in sign language. He's making it quite clear we're to march toward that door over there. Oh, we're cooked. Hey, stop pushing me. Now, don't fight it, Carol. At this particular moment, we're not running the show. Let's get through that door like our little friend requests, and then we'll see what happens next. Look, Joe, they're taking us right up to that throne thing. The little man on it must be the king or something. What can we do, Joe? Well, I don't know yet. I... Look, Joe. At that king person. He's smiling. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Come closer. Hey, Joe, he speaks English. Yeah. Come on, come on. I welcome you to us, my friends. You speak English, sir. Um, English? Uh, Your Majesty. I... I am afraid I do not understand. I speak the language of Luna. Well, I don't know what you call it, but at least you know what we're saying. Yes. Tell me, where have you come from? My observers saw your strange device approaching the moon from out of space. But we could not tell from where you came. Well, Your Majesty... Majesty? We... Majesty? That is a strange word that we do not know. I am not Majesty... I am Panum, as I have been for these many centuries. But you were saying... Well, we weren't headed for your moon. We were on a flight to Mars. Mars? Ah, that is why we brought you to us. Brought us to you? I'm afraid I don't understand. We wouldn't be here at all except that your moon seems to have a gravity all of its a own. A gravity which we control, which I control. I am able to switch it on and off at my will. 
and in any direction I see fit. Yesterday I was making experiments in the direction of Mars. That is why we drew you to us. I'll be darned. How about that, Joe? Turning gravity on and off when you feel like it. You still have not told me from where you come. Oh, uh, well, we're from the Earth. Earth? The planet Earth? <laughs> you are joking. Please tell me the truth. But that is the truth, Panu. It is impossible. There is no life upon the planet Earth. Our scientists have made certain of that. Well, then they'd better change their thinking. We're from the planet Earth. We left last night to try to make the first flight to Mars. There are millions of people living on Earth. Wait. There may be an explanation of your fantastic story. Yes, I believe there is. Ralgan, my most able scientist, has made a study of that kind of thing. And this bears out his theory. His theory? What theory? You see, though you did not know it, you have passed not only through space, but you have also passed through time as well. Now, we know that there is no life on Earth today. But we have determined that in a million years there will be life on that planet. This moment is your yesterday of a million years ago. And we see living creatures who will exist long after we are gone. Interesting thought, isn't it? Uh, uh, yes. Yes, it's interesting, all right, but a little confusing. I, I wonder if I could ask you a favor. Naturally, I shall be happy to listen. But first, there is something I must do. What do you call yourself on the earth? My name? It's Joe Blakely. Joe Blakely? Well, we could change it. Yes, you seem to be exactly right. Lorak! Come here. Hey, what does he mean, Joe? You seem to be exactly right. For what? Well, how do I know? He's thinking faster than I am, and he's on his home ground. Joe, look at that gal who's coming in. Well. Joe. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, Carol. Now, there's what I'd call a heavenly bit of woman. Well, if she's like her father, she's 500 years old. Oh, yeah, but she doesn't look a day over 20. Of course, if you like your girls to be colored blue. Oh, Rick, how do you like him? That exactly one. Exactly as I had dreamed, Father. And I thought I should never find him. What is his name? He is called Joe. Joe? Joe. The name is not so bad. I have been waiting for you for a thousand years. He is not of today, Lorak. He is of Earth a million years hence. Ah, it is even better than I thought. You will take me with you to your Earth of tomorrow. Well, Joe, yes. don't you dare fall for that line. I'll slap her right in the face. Yeah, no, yes, of course. No, but shh, please. Uh, look here, Panum. I'll be glad to come back here and talk about this in a few days. But first, I've got some things to do on Earth. Father, just... you will not let him go away. Of course not, Lorak. He is yours. He is not. He's mine. Uh, look, and... uh, sir... Uh, even though you're thinking of keeping Joe, uh, you'll be a good guy and let the rest of us go, of course. Now, wait a minute, Randy. It Don't will be impossible for any of you to leave Luna. 
until I will it. But of what use are we to you? Maybe much. I cannot say. But as I have told you, I control the gravity of Luna. Until I release it, your puny little ship cannot get off into space. And at the moment, I do not will it. Joe, aren't you going to do something? Uh, yeah, Carol, I'm going to do something. I'm going to try turning my charms on for this Lorac dame. Joe! You've fallen for it. You think she's so pretty. Yeah, that... sure, sure. She's blue, too. So don't you be. I'll keep you posted. You see? Feminine nature doesn't change a bit. A million years and a few hundred thousand miles of time and space notwithstanding. Carol is quite understandably jealous. And Joe seems helpless to escape Lorac's infatuation. Being the first travelers through space from our planet Earth to the moon has brought not only exciting adventure, but also some challenging problems for the pioneer party commanded by young Joe Blakely. Not only do they find themselves the unwilling guests of Panoon, who seems to be the ruler of Luna, now Joe has suddenly become the chosen maid of Lorac, the ruler's daughter, much to the dislike of Carol Chester, Joe's fiancée. As the four Americans walk with Lorac through the constant bluish light of the lunar atmosphere, Carol, Peter, and Randy, well ahead of Joe and the princess, the American girl is silent, seething inside. Come on, snap out of it, Carol. You haven't said a word for an hour. What is there to say? I don't feel like making jokes. Randy's right, Carol. This could be worse, you know. At least we're still alive. Oh, yes, we're alive, all right. But we might just as well be dead. At least I might as well be. Here I am, a million miles from home, with no prospect of getting back. And on top of that, I've lost Joe to that, that horrible Lorax. Oh, you haven't lost him, Carol. He's just trying to work through her to get us out of this place. Well, he's using a strange way to go about it. Besides, she isn't horrible. She's beautiful. Now, if the king had picked me for well, her... Well, he didn't. He picked Joe. And so did she. And you can deny all you want to. He's fallen for her. You know... If we could make Panum and Lorak change their minds about this romance, it might be easier for us to get off the moon and back to Earth. Yes, if. And if Joe would just once tell me that he loves me and wants no part of that siren, I think I might even be happy. Just why do you think they're walking alone back there and not with us? Oh, don't be so suspicious, Carol. This may turn out all right after all. Hey, look up ahead there. Those big trees. Mm, what about them? They're just another shade of blue like everything else in this horrible place. But the branches... You see, they're moving around slowly, just like human arms. And there's no wind. Hey, you're right, Randy. Well, that's the strangest thing I've ever seen. Come on, let's get closer and look at them. Well, why not wait here until Joe and that girl catch up with us? Well, they'll be along in a minute. Come on. Oh, all right. Say, this is one for the report. If we ever get back to make it. I wish I'd brought my movie camera from the ship. This is something nobody believes. Don't you see, Lorak? This thing won't work at all. You people on Luna live to be thousands of years old. We don't. If you stay here on Luna, Joe, you too may be a thousand years old. You will never get any older than you are now. Oh. 
You are but... attracted to me, aren't you, Joe? Well, yes, of course I am. Who wouldn't be? You're the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. And it wouldn't be hard to spend the centuries with me, would it? Look, I don't understand why you want me instead of one of your own men here on Luna. Then I will tell you. It is partly because you fascinate me, as no man of Luna has ever done, and partly because we may further a great plan of my father. A plan? What kind of a plan? Bring the people of the planets together to intermingle the races until the entire universe is united. With Panum as head? Naturally. Well, that's a king-sized plan, all right, but... Hey, that's Carol screaming. Yes. Do not worry about Carol. Of course I'm worried about her. Come on, let's see what happened to her. I can tell you what has happened to her. I can see up ahead. There they are, by those big trees. Yes, the Gormalis trees. She has come too close, and one of them has got her. What do you mean? What do you mean it's got her? How can a tree do it anything? It is the only dangerous tree on Luna, a destroyer of men. The limbs are like arms of flesh. They reach out and grasp one and squeeze until the victim is dead. Carol! Joe, hurry! This tree's got a hold of Carol. We can't get her loose. Lorak, what can we do to stop it? There must be something. Perhaps there is. But why are you so concerned about this girl? We do not need her. Joe, Joe, do something. Get me out of here. This thing is squeezing me to death. Doc Brandy, give me a hand. We'll try to unwind this branch and twist it around her. It will do no good, Joe. The tree is stronger than a hundred men. But we've got to do something. We just can't stand here and see her crush to death. Why not? Look, Lorak, Lorak, you said there might be a way to save her. What is it? Tell me how to get her out of the grasp of that tree. I'll do anything you say. I'll even agree to this, this crazy plan of yours. All right. I will keep you to your promise. Here, take this knife. Cut the branch. That little knife? It's ridiculous. I couldn't cut a big branch with that. It will cut very easily. The branch is like flesh and there is no bone. Cut the branch quickly. But be sure another one does not wrap itself around you. All right, give me the knife. What are you going to do with that, Joe? Well, Lorak says it'll cut the branch. It doesn't make sense, but I'm going to try. Hold on, Carol. I'll get you. Oh, I hope she's right. If this branch will cut... Look out, Joe. One of those branches is coming for you. Yeah, I see. Joe, come quickly. Joe, look out. That other branch. Yes, I'm watching it. I'm watching it. I've got the limb all right. Now pull Carol out of the way. We've got her. Carol. You all right? Yeah. I Joe. Joe, take me back to that palace. Yes. Peter and Randy will take you back. Joe is coming with me. What? Now, look here. Joe will come with me. He has made a certain promise that we must discuss with my father. Now, look here, Penum. I know I made that promise to Lorak. It was the only way to save Carol's life. And my daughter showed you how to do that, did she not? She kept her part of the bargain? Yes, but... Oh, I'll keep my promise if I have to. I guess none of us would stand much chance unless I did, but I'm trying to make you see how impossible it is. Impossible? Why? Look, I don't know whether you know anything about love here on Luna, but on Earth we do. And I'm in love with Carol. I don't love your daughter. That should make no difference if this is what she wants. But it makes a difference to me. Why, there are a lot of men back on Earth who'd go for a deal like this. If you let us go back, I'll send a dozen of them up here for her to look over and take her pick. But she only wants you. So... The alarm. There is trouble. Trouble? What kind of trouble? I do not know. Invaders! Invaders? What are you saying? Invaders! A whole fleet of spaceships have appeared suddenly out of nowhere. 
Our sentries did not even have time to sound the alarm. More Earth people. No, it couldn't be, Panum. We don't have a fleet of ships that would Not be Earth able... people. They're from Mars. Already their leaders have landed and announced they have come to conquer us. Not all the ships have landed. No, only a few when I left the Great Square. Then there is still time to keep the rest away from us. What are you doing? Releasing the lunar gravity. Without our gravity, they cannot land. Then I will use the repulsion ray and drive them off. You mean you can control gravity of the whole planet right from here, from this control board? Of course. There. We are too late for noon. Even while you were going to the controls, they've landed out there with the speed of light. You did not release the gravity soon enough. And they're carrying strange weapons. Wait. Let me look out there. They are marching right on the palace. What is the matter with our guards? What's happened? People from Mars, they're coming into attack. You can see what's happening to our guards, Panoom. They're disintegrating them with those strange weapons as they come. Our people are powerless against them. Hey, this is a fine way to end up. Isn't there anything you can do, Panoom? There is nothing. We have no defense against people such as these. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. Maybe we have. What do you mean, Joe? When we landed, you took our guns, our automatics. Where are they? They are right here. But do you think that those ineffectual little Earth weapons would have any effect on men with ray guns? Well, I'm not so sure about that. They've got the offense all right, but what about their defense? Let's have those guns. But they will disintegrate you as they are doing to the others as soon as they see well, you. Well, they're not going to see us first. And I've got a hunch even those guys can't stand up against a 45. Now, here are the guns. Okay. Okay. Hey, come on. Come on. Grab one, Doc. Okay. You too, Randy. Yeah. Each one of us will take one of those windows, stay out of sight, and start firing at the leaders when I say. Right. Got it. All right. Come on. I'll get that leader first, the one in front. And, oh, uh, Panum, if this works and we save Luna for you, will you let us go back to Earth? If you save us, you may do as you wish. Okay, then. Here we go. Let him have it. Joe, you got their leader. He's fallen. I got a sidekick, too. Well, they seem to be bewildered. Panum, you've got a big loudspeaker outside. I saw it. Yes, Switch it on and start talking. Tell them to get in their ships and take off or we'll kill every one of them. But, Joe, you couldn't do that. You'll run out of ammunition. Well, they don't know that. And maybe they can't understand what Panum's saying. Well, they'll get the idea anyway. Go ahead, Panum. Yes, yes. And keep up the firing, but not too fast. We've got to make every shot count and don't get in sight. Boy, I got that big one. Attention. Attention. You will all be killed like your leaders. Unless you leave at once in your ships. We have a weapon that will kill you all. Go to your ships at once and take off. Go at once! Joe, they seem to understand what he said. At least they've stopped. They can understand our shots and their dead leaders, that's certain. Look, they're running back with their ships. I hope they don't get ours by mistake. That would be the end. They wouldn't know how to operate the DM-1. Yeah? Yeah, they're leaving. Look at them go. Shall I say anything more? No, Panoom. Looks like you've said enough. They'll be off Luna before you can count to 20. See? There goes the first ship. And another. And another. They have gone. Yeah. And we made a bargain, Panoom. Father, I heard what he made you say, but if you let them go... I know, Lorak, I know. But there is no other way. We have made a promise, and we must keep it. Don't feel too badly about it, Lorak. I'll send up a bunch of candidates better than me, and you can take your choice. I hope that you two will come again soon, Joe. The Earth people of tomorrow 
And the lunar people of today must be friends. Uh, yeah, that's right. Well, Your Majesty, if you'll just get ready to operate that gravity control of yours again, we'll shove off and... and, uh, don't think it hasn't been fun. Gentlemen and Carol, these are the most amazing reports I could have imagined. Joe, you receive high claim for your work as head of the expedition. Thanks, Dr. Griffin. Yes, you've now proved that it's possible to travel out into space. And backward in time, don't forget, sir. I thought we'd never get caught up with today. <laughs> I can imagine. Yes, you've all done well, as a starter. But there's more to be done. You were not able to bring back photographs. Geological data. That's as much as we could do to bring ourselves back. So, that will be our next project. Your next trip should be easier. The moon people are friendly to you now. So on your next flight... What, Dr. Griffin, you mean we got to go up there again? Why not? You know all about it now. But we can discuss that at a future date. Now, you had better all get some rest. <laughs> oh, boy, and am I going to sleep for a million years. Randy, don't use that word. <laughs> Well, the old boy seems to be pleased. Yeah, we keep our jobs. Come in, Joe. Yep. No, wait a minute, Joe. I want to talk to you. Uh, okay, Carol. I'll see you guys later. Right. Yep. All right, honey. What's on your mind? Well, in the first place, you're not going on that next trip to the moon. I'm not going to have that Lorelei up there getting another chance at you. Oh. And in the second place, you and I are going to town and get a marriage license the first thing we do. And we're going to get married. Today. <laughs> All right, honey. You know, you, you sound just like Lorac. I do not. Sure you do. One of those what Lorac wants, Lorac gets things. Joe. I'm only kidding, honey. You know I love you. Come here. Mm-hmm. That's better. Darling. Yeah? You didn't like that Lorac better than me, did you? Well, she did have her good points. You didn't. Of course not. I'd take you any day instead of that, gal. Besides, Lorac's been dead a million years, and I like him better when they're alive. Contest Theater is produced and directed in Hollywood by Fred Levings. This is your announcer, Jimmy Wallington, inviting you to be with us again next week at the same time for Contest Theater, a presentation of the United States Armed Forces Radio and Television Service.